Welcome to Chucked. I'm Charles Braxton and I'm with Austin Charles and we're glad to be with you today as we're going to delve into some of the things that happened Sunday night at Super Bowl 52. Austin, what do you got for us today? Uh, yeah, that came after we did uh, pregame weekend, Chucked Live. I hope some of you got to see that and see the uh, awesome pregame show that Levi and Jordan and all of them put together and Todd. Um, it was a great weekend. We got to do a little talking and do a little chucked live, a few hot takes. and um, I think it's us at our best in the sense that it is so different. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I, my, it's my favorite weekend of the year. I told Levi and Todd and Jordan that I thought it was possibly a more uh, – more remarkable accomplishment than even unexpected. I think artistically, it's one thing to create something out of nothing that's great. That is an achievement, but to take something that was already pretty good and make it even better is, um, I think, a a far greater endeavor than than just nothing to something. So, um, you know, compliments to them. It was a great weekend. But we had another thing going on in the weekend that we started as well. Yeah, so, that. you know, we are really, we're, we're hitching our wagon to a greater purpose with Chuck, and one of them being what Gerald Parker is doing with Building Bridges. And uh, if you got to see it on pregame weekend, he took, he's taking a bunch of students and uh, bringing them into Centerville CrossFit with him giving their lives purpose, working them out. It's just, it's really cool what he's doing. So we're selling chucked t-shirts, really nice t-shirts for $15 and the profits go to building bridges. Yeah. They, they feel like for those of you, like uh, we are that love homage t-shirts, that's what they, the quality feels like. And uh, we'll be soon uh, launching a website, a chucked website where you'll be able to listen to the podcast, but also buy those t-shirts and, uh, We'll be selling them for at least the coming weeks in the Southbrook Atrium. Um, and uh, you can get them there. So uh, let's go to, to what we're going to talk about today. Um, it certainly fits with all the division within the Cavs organization. Ugh. But um, for those of you, unless you live under a rock, you know that the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. So Fly, uh, Eagles, fly. Fly, Eagles, yeah. fly. And Pete, our sound production guy is a Patriots fan. So yeah, sorry, sorry Pete. Pete. Sorry, Pete. I was pulling for him. I, yeah, when, I, when, when Tom Brady got the ball uh, the, the, before he got stripped, I tweeted out, um, Tom, colon, two, one time out, two minutes left, hold my beer. <laughs> and then he got stripped. So I, I was, but he was, I th- we were, we were both convinced. Okay, it's over. I mean, the yeah, Patriots are I, this thing. It's there's no, qu- and they were driving. I mean, they were, they, they were, were on their way. Well, he he'd already thrown for 500 yards, so yeah. the precedent had been set. He can move the ball against a really good defense. Mm-hmm. I was so impressed with someone him, made a know? play. Yeah, someone, someone made, made a play. play. That's, right. That's um, right. So yeah, let's get into into this. Uh, you know what's amazing? Hot air balloons. Really? Yeah. You didn't see that coming, did you? I did not see that coming. <laughs> well, you all know it's common knowledge that hot air rises. But when you break down the variables of a hot air balloon's physics and mechanics, it's a remarkable accomplishment of mankind. The hot air balloon, in theory, is buoyancy. Buoyancy suspended in air far above the earth. A terrifying thought. To do this, you need three parts. The envelope, which is the balloon. The burner in the basket. 
Dimensions and calculations must be perfected. The balloon at 13 feet in radius with the air inside heated to a temperature of 250 degrees Fahrenheit of gas jet fueled by propane cylinders. The balloon must be sewn together by fireproof synthetic Nomax fabric that's light enough to float and durable enough not to melt. It must also allow breathing through parachute holes for the air to escape, or so the balloon doesn't float into outer space or something ridiculous like that. All the while, a human being sits in a wicker basket just a few feet below. Fire and gravity. What could go wrong? But when all the variables coordinate, interact, and abide within fine-tuned laws or a predestined truth that were hardwired by possibly a divine engineer, mankind achieves the truly awesome. To say the NFL trends toward division on many levels is an understatement of the great fault in America's favorite team sport. NFL teams are made up of various races, religions, socioeconomical backgrounds, unspoken addictions, mental illness and unaddressed anger issues, practice squad contracts, franchise tag contracts, and all the contracts in between. And all of this under the flame of the pride of each lumbering ego within the organization. And let's say, throw on top of that, a season-ending injury to a certain team's potential league MVP. Say, a certain NFL franchise who is located in the most unforgiving sports city in the world. And you can't argue a more merciless city than Philadelphia because no other city threw snowballs at Santa Claus. What could go wrong? Or maybe what more could go wrong? I know. How about sprinkling the very common media-charged NFL problem on top of it all? A quarterback controversy. Due to the backup coming in and lighting it up game after game until he holds the Vince Lombardi trophy in one hand and the Super Bowl MVP in the other. Now we have danger. But remember what happens when all the variables coordinate, interact, and abide within fine-tuned laws or a predestined truth that were hardwired by possibly a divine engineer. Mankind achieves the truly awesome. Torrential confetti, national television coverage everywhere, thousands cheering, hugging, jumping, hoisting up children in joy. Celebrities fighting to security to get close to those who achieved something seemingly rationally unachievable, and then the man with the microphone asks the leader of such an achievement to explain how he feels, and then, and then, the leader of men, Doug Peterson, is momentarily lost for words. Finally, he finds them, and then, it's not a cliche of sport, not a quote of a war general or past president, not recognition of loved ones who supported him, but an acknowledgement of one who surrendered for him, a carpenter who was crucified. Peterson says, I can only give the praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for giving me this opportunity. There is something about this Nazarene that unites people more than any other theory or feeling in the existence of life. Should we then consider that he is the root of all theory or feeling of unity and harmony of life? In a three-word Google search, Philadelphia Eagles Christian, you will find numerous articles and videos about a very outspoken movement of faith within the Philadelphia Eagles organization, most of which is headed up by Carson Wentz, Tory Smith, Nick Foles, Zach Ertz, and Doug Peterson. I won't take the time to tell all the stories 
surrounding this evangelistic movement. I'd encourage you, if you find this topic interesting, to Google or YouTube it or search an article published on Super Bowl Sunday by the esteemed Washington Post. In summary, what you'll find are acts of community outreach autonomously organized by players, not obligatory marketing ploys for the NFL to save face. You'll find the utilization of the team whirlpool for player baptisms and literally more weekly player organized and attended Bible studies and prayer groups than the Southbrook staff holds each week. I'll let that sink in for a moment. (laughs) Normally our topics come from questions or problems, but today it is more of a statement really. So here... Here's what stood out to me in a video posted by the Philadelphia Eagles official YouTube account. One spotlighting the faith of the players previously mentioned in their evangelical efforts. Carson Wentz and Tori Smith speak about how they interact with their teammates who have different religious views. In this sound clip from the Philadelphia Eagles locker room's binding force, listen, listen beyond their words. While religion can be a divisive topic of conversation, this is not something that these players let divide the locker room. We're all grown men, so we have certain type of conversations where you know you can respect it. I mean, if there's someone that believes in something else, you don't just throw the Bible at them or argue with them about what their beliefs are, whether they're Muslim or whatever. That's, that's what they believe in, and then they have the right to believe in that. But you can share what you know. I think it's important not to look down on other religions as well. Because as men, we all have challenges, and it's, not, it's nothing different than other men outside of this locker room. So when you can use somebody like Carson or, or Earth, like these guys are able to talk to guys who are going through some things and just introduce them. They're not throwing a Bible at people. I think they're conscious of that as well. Some people get turned off when you want to talk about religion and, and spiritual things, and you just always have to have the, the right touch with it. You know, I'm going to be genuine, I'm going to be authentic with believers, non-believers, it doesn't matter. I'm going to love on them, I'm going to, I'm going to treat them all the same, I'm going to respect them, and at the same time, as a, as a leader of the football team, I'm going to lead everybody the same too. And it kind of makes it open. You know, I think guys are willing to talk um, when you don't have this self-righteous attitude about you. You're just, you're just open to talk about spiritual things, talk about religion, talk about real-life issues with believers non-believers and everybody in between. When you have that mutual respect for your teammates and and really everybody, um, it just makes it a healthier environment. What happens when all the variables coordinate, interact, and abide within fine-tuned laws or predestined truth that were hardwired by possibly a divine engineer? That's right. Mankind, time and time again, achieves the truly awesome. I don't think the Eagles won the Super Bowl because God was on their side. That's certainly not what I'm saying. I don't think God cares very much about the specificities of sporting outcomes, even though I, for one, am extraordinarily guilty of praying my team to the desired outcome on many occasions. I believe wholeheartedly, despite many obstacles and variables, the Eagles got to the Super Bowl and won it because of the culture that was led, by example, by Carson Wentz and others. And the origin of that practice can be traced back to one prayer some 2,000 years ago. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray 
for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you have gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. John seventeen twenty through 26. Do not even dare to say that I am being melodramatic here. This is not an assumption or theory. This is truth. I don't have proof of the Christ and I don't need any. I have proof of his message. And if you need it, go ask an African-American or someone from the LGBT community about this truth the Eagles culture demonstrates. It goes to the depths of human longing to be respected, valued, and loved as is, and to the heights of childish elementaryism that we all know to do unto others as you would have them do to you, and it is as applicable to your daily social environment as socks are to a shoe. Men and women following through with the instructions of his fine-tuned law, the predestined truth hardwired into every atom of life, the awesome, the remarkable, the seemingly rationally unachievable, truly awesome occurs. Be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, 2 through 3. Whether one claims the Christ or not, one must claim his bonds of peace as the singular hope for this world, or might I say, risk one's identity as an incendiary of human malice. And for that reasons, the Philadelphian example, and really umpteenth other reasons, the Christ is the great privilege of humanity. Two things, Dad. The eagles don't sound too transactional to me, number one. And do you think if Carson Wentz would have been Drafted by the Browns, he would have abandoned his faith by now. <laughs> we must go through many trials to enter the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> mm, that would have been would one have for him. That would, have been a, that would have been a grand entrance into the kingdom of heaven then. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's so tragic because as a Browns fan, you know, I felt they needed to draft him. I know it's easy to say this now, but I said this then. I think they needed mm. to draft him. First of all, because he's a prototypical AFC North quarterback, 6'5", 235, you know, Ben Roethlisberger being in the prototype. And uh, with no knowledge then of his faith and character, now it's even grievous to know that they passed him up. But not only him, they passed up Doug Peterson, the head mm -hmm. coach of the Eagles, because he wasn't good enough. As I tweeted out the other night, I said, uh, and then the Super Bowl night, I said, um, Boy, I mean, just imagine how great 
the Browns' future coach and quarterback will be since uh, this coach and quarterback was not good enough that just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Jeez, it's unbelievable. The level I've never in my life experienced. Mediocrity is a compliment. That would be too good of a word. They just... the The paucity of... <laughs> Good decision making is stunning. <laughs> it is just truly the monkeys throwing at a dartboard. I guarantee you would have done better. And that so there was a grief to that the other night, as happy as I was for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was just a oh my gosh, there's got to be some divine purpose in this right now. I'm thinking, or there is a divine curse. Mm-hmm. It's like one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I I I, I digress. <laughs> we could go on and on by that. So what do you think of this? You know, as we look at you know why Philadelphia won, there is something deeper there. Not just that God was on their side or that they're men of faith, but how the Carson Wentz, the Tory Smiths, what that will be heard in that sound clip of this unity that comes from living out that message. Yeah. The when it's done rightly. It, it draws people together. It does. The message, the manner of Christ draws people together. Uh, I, know, I know, I say that knowing how Jesus also can be divisive, but I think that is in a setting where someone is just antagonistic toward, toward it, when there is this sense of openness and, and then people are gentle with that. It's an amazing tuning fork, you know. Mm-hmm. Five t- pianos can be tuned to the same fork, never have played together and be in tune because they were tuned to that same fork. And I told you, I said, that's what you saw. The you, It comes out. The Steelers of the 70s, a lot of genuine, high-character, Christ-following guys, you find out later. The Yankees of the late 90s, Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit, these guys that were just the real deal mm-hmm. were so much the salt that was seasoning that team and and then we see it again here and i think it's it's not it's not people who are bible thumpers it's people who walk the talk and as you were talking to me about this yesterday i think of the title of Dallas Willard's book on uh sharing your faith and apologetics. It's called The Allure of Gentleness, Defending the Faith in the Manner of Jesus. So I, he drew people to him. The gospel message slid in through parable. And that came also with a boldness that's alluring to people. It doesn't mean everybody. I'm sure there are people in the locker room who don't like it. I'm sure there are. But as a whole, it is, it is, the, it is the dynamic that's lifting the balloon to a degree that the sum of the parts, you know, the whole mm-hmm. is greater than the sum of the parts. And it's impressive to watch. You know, they they weren't that good of a football team last year. They weren't, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really impressed. I'm really pleased for them, happy for them. And it's a message to us that there there has to be a boldness to your faith. There does have to be a boldness. There, there has to be a verbal witness to your faith. You, you can't just have an I found it bumper sticker on your car and hope people beep at you and say, what, what, how? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's not the way it works. 
it, 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 you, there has to be, in 2 Timothy 1, one of my favorite verses, Paul said, uh, do not be ashamed, Timothy, to testify about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. And so he was telling Timothy there, there's got to be a boldness. But even within that, there's an allure of the gentle way to do that and respectful. And um, Paul told Titus, make sure you live attractive lives. Mm. One of the mantras of recovery is, uh, you know, we live attractive lives. We don't promote. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is the way of the manner of Christ that... I think, as I've read about it, Carson Wentz in particular, Tori Smith, Doug Peterson, they're living, they're modeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, uh, if uh, you guys find this interesting, um, please go and uh, Google it and look for those videos. It, it is really cool seeing these big hulking men being uh, submersed in the waters of um, NFL mm. castle. You know, yeah, it is. It is pretty cool. What else do you have um, for you know, kind of practically? I know for me, I say I I share this. This comes from a place for me out of not. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to say and to 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 teach this message, but just to just relay this message that that affects me because I see holes in this in my life. Mm -hmm. I, things I, and I, I wrote here, First Peter 3, 8, Peter writes, and correct me if I'm wrong, to an audience who is being persecuted for their belief in Christ. And in the midst of their persecution, Peter tells them, live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. In the context, I think, of being killed for that. Yeah. Now, certainly in the context of just disagreeing politically, socially, religiously, how then should we act interact with with others and and so that's why as i say this this doesn't come from me from a place where i got this so I, and so i'm relaying it but i don't have this and this really so it really stands out to me this the, how they have kept their salt they've kept their light but they do it in harmony and they yeah. do it with with compassion and humility and sympathy yeah yeah i think they've earned the right to be heard they've earned the right to be invited into that place of really what's intimacy when you start talking about faith because they've lived it. I think they've, they've lived in a way that do your good deeds in such a way, Jesus said, that it sheds light. You know, you, you live such lives that you shed light and it glorifies your Father who is in heaven. In other words, they're not living to say, hey, look how great we are, look how pious we are, but it, sound, it just seems like, well, what I'm reading, it, they, they live as servants, and, and that earns a certain level of trust with people, and it builds a unity if, if, you know, the bottom line in the NFL is winning, and so people aren't going to be open to that message if it's found to be mm -hmm. weakening the whole of the unit. As, as important as the gospel is over winning NFL football games, the reality is in that culture, in that context, it's, it's not going to be well received. So they clearly have a culture that starts from the top that is at least open to that, and mm -hmm. then they earn that right by, by serving. And, you know, the, the practical thing for us is, is – in Romans 12, Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. 
Keep the dialogue always civil and respectful. Be open to the fact that you may be wrong. Um, you know, understand that you see through a glass dimly. I, I do think faith in this era is so critical that we walk with conviction, yet with awareness that I may be wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? The Charles Barkley autobiography, which is, he took my, the title of mine, I may be wrong, but I doubt it. Mm-hmm. You know, I may be wrong, and we walk with that. That's what it means to walk by faith, is we don't have a complete assurance. And and uh, I think people respect that, and, and it's absolutely critical in this era of division that we keep the dialogue up in the hot air realms, mm-hmm. that it's never us versus them. I told you, I just finished Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's book on his relationship with Coach Wood, and one of the richest books I've read about their 50-year relationship. I'm from a, a biracial family. My dad was was biracial. I have, you know, you have family cousins who are biracial. So mm-hmm. there's a sense in which it's not a, a, a new reality for me. And yet the chapter where Kareem writes about what it's like to be a black man in America, I felt like for the first time in my life I understood what it's to be black in America at a whole another level to where I love getting that because it says to me, I don't know what it's like to be fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Whatever's different from me, I don't know what it's like. I don't have all the answers. Even my faith, as much as I trust that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, um, I don't have a corner on that. Mm-hmm. And I, who was it that said some Christians would be better if they had more doubts? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I do. I've known so many Christians that turn me off. And I'm a pastor, you know, minister, mm-hmm. apostle. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just so turned off by Christians who just are. I'm. So, I mean, it, they just have a gift of faith I don't have, I guess. Because mm-hmm. they have no doubts. <laughs> Yeah, well, doubt certainly helps us reason. It certainly helps. Yeah, us and it just helps us be investigate. In, in, engaging. It, it does. I mean, that's not a bad thing. To 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 have convictions, good, but faith keeps us, or doubt keeps us humble. Mm-hmm. And the more powerful you are, it's more imperative. The more humble you are about it, because you're in a in a position that it can easily become a bully pulpit. Mm-hmm. You know, Doug Peterson, what he did in saying, I, I just, I give thanks and honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, that he's saying that from a position of great authority as the head coach of the Super Bowl champions. Mm-hmm. So he has to stir that with the allure of gentleness. Mm. Yeah. I love what, when I spoke with Brian Tome, he, how, how was it, the, how, what have you, what sustained you? Through all this, through Brian Tomes, the, the, the pastor senior of, pastor at Crossroads. Crossroads. What sustained you for thirty years? You know, a very general question, and very, um, very obviously, his answer: what sustained him was not honesty or accountability or anything we might. Ass- I, I thought I assumed. What he said, very um, obviously, in an obvious tone, is keeping a humble heart to God. And that was what, you know. So I've been thinking. I've been thinking about that lately, and, and that certainly certainly has shed light on areas of my life that it's not. Um, but I hear that in, the, in this this message, this not transactional message to get things to prove things, but this transformation that has come from a gift that they've received, and that they 
yes, they are they are witnessing to to men, and that their behavior should suggest that. But I mean, they they know that on, that above that they are they're being uh, seen by a much greater being, and that is what they're to keep humble towards. Um, this all this all brings us back to an interesting podcast we had a long time ago. Uh, last year, I think it was, um, well, it certainly was, but, uh, when we asked, can you be, can you be good and great? And that's, and I don't have a, you know, I don't have a distinct answer why it's a continuing they want a social experience for experiment <laughs> for you, isn't it? Those experiments I've been doing for 30 years. I don't just, know why they are good and they became great. I don't know why, you know, why, and, and if you want to go look at that podcast, it's, it's on there. I don't even know what we talked about. I just know that was the title. But we had that discussion mm-hmm. of why is there no good men that do great things, essentially? You know, why, is, why was Kennedy kind of morally corrupt? Why was Michael Jordan just this, this really terrible human being? Or just I'm terrible, miserable human being? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's just, there is no, there is no joy there. So, um, I don't, I don't, have, I don't, you know, I don't know if you have any, you know, comments on what distincts the Philadelphia Eagles in, in, in that. I'm certainly yeah. I'm certainly contrasting that argument we had before yeah. with this. Yeah, I you know first of all the the every one of them have people that they've disappointed. So I'm sure we could scrounge up people who aren't Carson Wentz fans. Probably mm-hmm. the fact that say Carson Wentz is a follower of Jesus creates enemies. He's not great, or I'm sorry, he's not good in their eyes. It just that's the way it is. It's that divided in our country now when it comes to that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think how having said that, people like Carson Wentz show that you can do a lot of good and be great. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of good and be great, and there are tons of people who have done so. You know, I grew up. As I said, I finished Kareem's book on Coach Wooden, and I grew up, and I've told you this, I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, for me, is the first player I would pick if I had, mm-hmm. for all the reasons. I just, and he would, he was in his prime, he was just unstoppable. He, you know, as much as I, I, I loved how Michael Jordan played, I know I'm the old guy, but I'm telling you, man, 7'2", who shot, it was called a 36-foot shot because he usually shot at 12 feet out, 12 feet up, and 12 feet down. He shot the ball down. Wooden taught him how to shoot that hook down. Hmm. (laughs) I remember, I've got a picture in our basement, you know, of of Wilt trying to block that thing. Mm -hmm. And he is fully extended. Wilt was 7'2", and he can't, I mean, it's just crazy, and, and I admired him. But he had a lot of problems, you know. He 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 had a lot of issues that came up in his life, and yet he's done so much good. Mm-hmm. You know, he has really done a lot of good. And um, I don't know if you can be good and be great. I know you can do a lot of good and be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll let God be the judge of those guys that have been seen to be, in the public eye anyway, less than good. Mm-hmm. Who knows, right? Who yeah. knows? Um, we've seen guys who looked really good in the public eye. Ugh. If we can find out, they weren't as good as we thought they were. Mm-hmm. So we'll let God sift out the wheat and the tares, mm-hmm. you know. And but I do know that these guys, there are a lot of them that do a lot of good that you don't, we don't ever see. Mm-hmm. No matter, 
and how imperfect and flawed you are, excuse me, how imperfect and flawed you are, you can still do that. And, you know, I look at being here f doing ministry and leadership for what I, for the years I've done it, I think of how many people I've hurt. Mm -hmm. I do. I, I wish I didn't, but I do because I've made mistakes. And, but I think, you know, I can also say that I've been able to use this position to do a lot of good. You said, I've heard you said a lot of times, um, within speaking, within leading, and this, um, this, you know, giving this transaction of knowledge, this transaction of wisdom, um, to not forget to love people first. Mm -hmm. And and it can be very easily lost when you especially certainly feel like you have a conviction conviction of yeah truth. well yeah and and then also leadership and discipleship collide sometimes mm -hmm. so you're 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 trying to love people but you're also leading an organization so this is an organization of love and grace well we also have to have like you're leading an organization that people are giving money to to run, and you have to have productivity. So it looks so uncompassionate mm -hmm. when you have to fire someone, you have to let someone go, and there seems to be a contradiction of what the stated values are and what reality is. And you, you, you looks like you're divisive, right? But you got to run an organization, mm -hmm. and leadership and discipleship collide, and that's rough. And you look. You don't look so good, mm -hmm. and it's it's grievous. It's just a reality, however, of living in this world with faith, and and then trying to grow something that's living. It requires tough decision making. That uh, at the end of the day, we hope we don't do it in a way that is deconstructive of people's identities and et cetera. That it's as graceful as we can do it. Doug Peterson has a guy that I'm sure he's affecting on the Philadelphia Eagles, and he's going to cut him someday. Mm -hmm. If Carson Wentz is around long enough, they'll cut him. There'll be a day when Carson Wentz is not effective. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Does that mean they're not brothers still? Does that mean that, 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 say, Doug Peterson hasn't done a lot of good? No, it doesn't. But, boy, in that moment, it won't seem like he's a very good guy. Mm -hmm. I want to close with going back to this, um, that this is not an assumption nor is it a theory, it's a truth. I don't have proof of the Christ and I don't need any. I have proof of his message. And if you need the proof, go ask someone other than you. Go ask an African-American. Go ask someone from the LGBTQ community about this truth that the Eagles and many others have demonstrated because it is very, very practical to your everyday life because it goes to the depths of human longing to be respected and valued as is and loved as is and to the heights of childish elementaryism that we all know to do unto others as you would have them do to you. It's as applicable to your daily social environment as socks are to a shoe. What I want to close with is a conversation I had with the man, the second most influential man in my life, Paul Wilkins, and I had a lunch a week or two ago and and we were sharing what we are what we are focusing on in our day to to grow ourselves more. And I, I was sharing mine and that um, what I want to focus on, and I, and I haven't seen improvement yet, but when I interrupt someone, I don't want to just stop talking once I interrupt and let them carry on, but apologize for interrupting them. And he was saying how he, was, he is practicing almost similarly to just say less, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and hopefully slow to become angry. And that is, if you're in a meeting somewhere, if you're in a conversation with a friend or a coworker, that is um, this very eternal issue. That is how I think it is carried out in the uh, very temporary and immediate. So thanks for listening. Go buy your shirts in the atrium. They should be online soon. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you next time. I'm unchecked.